Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my good friend Reese, aka Referees. And today we are going to do another four and a half hour draft podcast. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, we're not going to do that. But we are going to talk about the draft because guess what? During that four and a half hours, Reese, we mentioned the Chiefs maybe once <laughs> with 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 Noah. Yep. I think we did like just a quick, you know, uh, first round draft a trade that we did for Orlando Brown. And we kind of talked about it. But during that entire time, we did not talk about the Chiefs. So, of course, Kansas City fans, we are here to break down the draft specifically for the Chiefs, because as you know, we are the number one podcast in Kansas City sports slash Kansas City craft beer because we're the only podcast that covers those two. So we are excited to break down a lot of great picks. We're going to do draft grades today. So we'll tell you what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, how we think they're going to fit on the team. And then we will give Brett Veach and the Kansas City Chiefs an overall grade as to where they picked them and if that was a great pick or not. But before we do all that, Reese, how's your week going, man? How's it going? Uh, my week's not too bad. Just, you know, plugging away in the beer hall and plugging away at Starbucks and uh, had a good Mother's Day. I got to go over to the in-laws and we grilled some burgers, grilled some dogs. We did a delicious beer and cookie pairing. And also, also, quick shout out again. What was that delicious uh, gluten-free brewery on Colorado? It was like Holidays? Yeah, Holidayly Brewing in Longmont, Colorado. Yeah, that has, I think it's the only or one of the only breweries that only does gluten-free beer. So I, I praised their hazy IPA already once on this show. Uh, because Noelle obviously has celiac, she can't have beers and cookies, so she had a gluten-free sugar cookie from Billy's Groceries. Shout out Billy's Grocery in Kansas City. Great place. Love it. Uh, but she also paired it with one of their beers called, it's like Fat Randy. And it's just like a West Coast traditional IPA. And dude, I tell you what, I tell you what, again, <laughs> if it weren't for like the mouth feel of everything... Uh-huh. I, I would not believe that was a gluten-free beer. That was a delicious wow. West Coast-style IPA. And I even told Noel, I'm like, man, I'm like, if you want to keep a six-pack of this in the fridge for both of us, I wouldn't be upset. I actually haven't been there, but like I said, I, I met their beer buyer who was also running their taproom at some point because he ran Oscar Blues here. And when I was working with Weldworks, I knew him a lot. And yeah, he was hyping them up a lot. I think I had one beer... But it, it wasn't an IPA, so I couldn't attest to it. But now I can't wait. I'm going to have to run over there and grab some IPAs because that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have an IPA, a hazy IPA, a wit, I think a stout, and I want to say they have like a blonde. Uh, so That's what I believe I've seen. So I'm more curious about this beer cookie pairing. What what was your favorite? And and since you're the beer guy in the family, were you? did you set this all up? Did you put the napkins, the plates? You got the cookies, the beer. You know, I, I wish I had this much insight, but actually I think Boulevard and Dolce Bakery out in Prairie Village did a combined pairing last year where like you bought... You'd go to the gift shop and you get like four cookies in a box and like four Boulevard beers. The mother-in-law, shout out to a mother-in-law, friend of the podcast. Shout out mother-in-law. She was a huge... She was a huge fan of the chocolate espresso cookie paired to the Whiskey Barrel Imperial Stout. So Saturday morning, Noel and I go to Prairie Village at like 
7.15 in the morning, like before they open, and the lines are like 25 deep to get into the store. So we got, the, that's the one pairing we did was the, the espresso chocolate cookie with the whiskey stout and dude that that was big stonks dude that's where uh logan and i got our uh wedding cake at dolce was it really yeah we 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 did a triple layer cake it was like lemon one layer vanilla one layer and then like a really really nice double chocolate something like german chocolate uh yeah i Mm -hmm. mean dolce is is one of the best bakeries i have ever been to not that i'm like a bakery guy but i mean (laughs) literally some of some of the best sweets i have ever had in my life and i'm not a sweet guy so i mean it it, it's up there yeah that's right delicious stuff well you know me i got a sweet tooth so i was all about that (laughs) i went back for seconds so you didn't do the uh the uh girl scout cookies the uh the uh tagalongs with uh with like uh (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to think of some insane sour, but I can't really think of like a famous one off the top of my head. (laughs) Well, it's funny you joke about this, but I actually did do a Girl Scout cookie and Boulevard beer pairing at a work meeting the other (laughs) week. Did you lead it or someone else led it and was like, here, let's do this. Someone... Someone else read it. Uh, I, I will not, you know, say her name right. on the podcast without asking permission, permission to course, say her name. But she she killed it. She killed it. We paired a. Uh, let me think. It was the lemonades with the unfiltered wheat, the uh, berry noir sour with the peanut butter patty. Not not the chocolate peanut butter one, but the one's like a nutter butter, basically. Right. You know. Uh, then we did a whiskey barrel stout with the coconut caramel delights, and we paired the early riser porter. With the shortbread, which was my sleeper favorite, probably because I'm just like a dad and I'm like, mmm, bitter. But oh, yeah, just one last, one last thing before we okay. We love the fact that everyone's following us on Instagram now. Thank you so much, uh, friend of the podcast, Andrew Kunkel, who got us to 100 yeah! listeners. We are now at 105 yeah! uh, followers on Instagram, meaning with your help, we are only 895 people away <laughs> from getting a check mark and being verified influencers. Ooh. So. Let's reach for the top. <laughs> 900 more follows. Get us that sweet, sweet deal. I'll I'll get some sweet, sweet yoga pants for myself and Armando, and we will influence you to do some sweet, sweet things. <laughs> Getting followers is like a snowball, right? So we got 100. It's just going to keep rolling and rolling. And we're not paying any of those people that keep messaging us on Instagram that are like, hey, if you like followers, give us $300 for a hundred thousand likes and like likes is spelled wrong. And like 300 is like a three Oh Oh, instead of three zero zero and two water drop emojis. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that. We are grassroots. Every one of these people on Instagram are our friends. And just like on Instagram, we have friends. We got friends in the Kansas city chiefs organization that we want to talk about today. This is the draft grade podcast. And here we go. But before we talk about the draft grades, let's talk about the trade grade because the reason why we didn't talk about the Chiefs for four and a half hours on our on our draft podcast is because we didn't have a pick in the first round. So after seeing what had happened in that first round, Reese, I want to get your reaction on what uh, what your grade is on that trade. And I'll talk about the trade quickly. The Chiefs traded their 2021 first pick 
That was number 31, and that ended up being Jason Oa uh, from Penn State, who is actually a very good edge rusher. But again, we weren't looking for edge rusher in the first round. Um, So it was a good pickup for the Ravens, but not something that we needed. Uh, We also traded the 94th pick, which ended up being Ben Cleveland, who is a guard from Georgia, uh, who is actually like on the draft grades that I had or the draft rankings for guards. He was like 20th. So, I mean, whatever. And then a four round pick that Baltimore ended up trading away on um, on draft day they traded it to the Cardinals for for someone so they got all those picks and a 2022 fifth round pick in exchange for Orlando Brown Jr who is going to be our probably our left tackle maybe our right tackle probably yes he's going to be our left tackle He's going to be our left tackle. Well, he played. We'll talk about him right now. Uh, but he's going to be our left tackle, right, for the future, for a very long time, hopefully. Uh, we got him and then a 2021 second round pick, number 58, which ended up being Nick Bolton, and then a 2022 sixth round pick. So, Reese, what are what is your reaction to that, and then what is your grade for that trade? It's, it's incredible. I can't believe that Baltimore would willingly let what they view as their biggest rivals get better instantly overnight in the one position we were kind of genuinely between a rock and a hard place on. And I've seen a lot of Ravens fans being like, well, we totally won this trade because, you know, we got their first round pick and their second round pick just for Orlando Brown and this, this and that. No, it doesn't work this way. I've been telling this to everybody who will give me an ear to listen. Let's dissect why this trade was an absolute fleecing by GM Brett Veach. So we essentially traded our first round pick for Orlando Brown. Straight up. That's the end of discussion right there. (laughs) We then, we then got another second round pick in exchange for our third and fourth round picks this year, which I think is an absolute wash. There's guaranteed better talent in the second round than in the third and fourth. So that's the next part of that trade. The third part of that trade is trading like what did you say it was? Our 2022 fifth for their 2022 sixth? Yep. That's complete lottery cracker jack right there. That doesn't matter at all. So as far as I can see, we won this trade by getting another second round pick in addition to a guaranteed left tackle. Uh, a is for alligator. A is for awesome. A is for I can't believe this actually happened. <laughs> I'm going to ride on Reese's coattails. Hot take Mondo. This trade may end up being like the Mark Gasol, Pal Gasol trade that happened uh, in LA when we won all those championships for the rights for a young Mark Gasol. I mean, this might go down as one of the most boneheaded trades that Baltimore could ever do. Okay, so they didn't need Orlando Brown, right? Because they have uh, Joe Staley's coming back. But why would you give Orlando Brown to the Chiefs? There had to have been other suitors for Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown, even though they nece- didn't necessarily need him, is still a two-time Pro Bowler, and he excelled at left tackle and right tackle, which are the hottest commodities right now in the NFL. Because of what we saw in the Super Bowl, people need those positions. Those positions are gold. So you give that asset, an asset that you know the Chiefs need to beat you, you give that asset to them freely? Like, totally boneheaded. This is amazing for the Chiefs to have that to have that paired with Joe Tooney, to have it paired with Lucas Niang and all the other acquisitions that we've had. I mean, this is incredible for us. Brett Veach gets an A plus for this because or 
Orlando Brown is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. He's an excellent run blocker. Um, and again, remember, Baltimore had the best like running team in the NFL. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and then you had those rookies as well that played uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins all played really well, not just because they're great, but because Orlando Brown is freaking amazing. So this helps Patrick Mahomes and this really helps CEH. So I can't believe it happened. And then not only that, but then we but then we get Nick Bolton from it, too. I mean, come on, Baltimore. Boneheaded, the most boneheaded trade I have seen in a very long time. Yeah, and I mean, no disrespect to Eric Fisher, who was a very good left tackle while he was here. He was consistent. He played. Very good guy. I mean, Orlando Brown has the potential to be a great left tackle for us. This is moving up, you know? So I am very excited to have this guy as the stalwart bookend of our offensive line. Let's go. And let's also remember Orlando Brown is 25 years old. (laughs) He's 25. (laughs) He's young. Baltimore, what were you thinking? We're set. (laughs) Yeah, so this This is is great. This is amazing. Our our offensive line went from one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL to now one of the best, dare I say, elite. But of course, we'll wait to see how everything formulates. So A-plus to Brett Veach for that. It's like getting an A-plus in the first round. Excellent. Now let's go to the second round. Our first pick was Nick Bolton. He uh, he was the 58th pick in the NFL draft. He is six feet tall, 232 pounds from Mizzou. Reese, what is your grade for Nick Bolton? And again, not your overall grade for Nick, but for us getting him at 58. Was, was that a good pick? Because again, there were other people on the board. What do you think? I think getting him at pick 58 is a is a B-plus grade. I think he's a, a definitive talent who is there. He does a lot of things good. You know, what I like about him is that the dude is Dolph Lundgren. He's incredibly smart, but he also hits like a truck. He's, he's almost like Bob Sanders in linebacker form. Ooh. He's very good at waiting for a play to develop, reading how it's developing, finding his lane, and then striking. He's also a very active tackler and not a passive tackler, by which I mean he will go to the ball handler to make a tackle. He won't wait for the ball handler to come to him and then try to tackle him to the ground. So we definitely need more of that in our linebacker core. He can play strong side weak side middle linebacker the dude can do it all i like this pick i think it's a really solid use of a second round pick i'm gonna debate you here a little bit reese i'm gonna give this a b minus and and it actually is a kind b minus and let me preface let, let me preface it that i like nick bolton i think nick bolton is a is a great linebacker i think he's gonna be a great mike linebacker for us the reason why I give him a B minus, he's basically the replacement for for Anthony Hitchens. But we have Anthony Hitchens. It's going to be really hard for us to put Anthony Hitchens, Willie Gay, and Nick Bolton in that in that lineup. I know we're probably going to see that, but Nick Bolden is Anthony Hitchens. He plays exactly what Anthony Hitchens does. So it's going to be hard to kind of see him surpass Hitchens right now because Hitchens is Hitchens and he's probably going to be the starter. And I know we're going to see him probably in those uh, in those base downs. We'll probably see Nick Bolden. But for where we took him and the needs that we had on the team, Reese, was 
was kind of strange for me. I mean, we uh, Terrence Marshall was still on the board, and we love Terrence Marshall on this podcast. He actually went right after Nick Bolton. I think he went to the Carolina Panthers. Great pickup for Carolina. But I'm like, why didn't we go wide receiver? Or why didn't we get an edge rusher? Or why not a quarterback? We got a linebacker in a position that we already have. So I was confused. Nick Bolden has the potential to play strong side, weak side, and middle. Currently, Anthony Hitchens, our middle linebacker field generally is calling us stuff out there, but he's so expensive. If we cut him after this year, we can save over $8 million towards the cap. Plus, we got to give a year for Bolton to develop. I expect Bolton to be taking away Neiman's reps, which is all I'm asking for. So if we can get Hitchens on there, if we can get Gay on the field, and then if we can get Bolton, even if he's not in like his prime position right now, by this time next year, he's going to be Anthony Hitchens. He's more athletic than Anthony Hitchens, and he's going to be a fraction of the cost of Anthony Hitchens. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you you probably think more like Brett Veach than I do, but Reese, this is, this is a podcast for Kansas City fans by Kansas City fans. I am a prisoner of the moment. I want to win now. I know this is a thing for a future. I I get it. Nick Bolden, it, Nick Bolden and Willie Gay are going to be really scary together in five years. I get that. And that's great. But for a second round pick for us that just lost a Super Bowl and need to win a Super Bowl emphatically this year, I wanted something that we can plug and play now, like, like a cornerback, right? I don't want to see Traverius Ward anymore uh, or like a... Um, like an edge rusher or someone that we need, or the wide receiver, like I talked about. I want to win now, and Nick Bolin is not a win-now move. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Name me one position in all those positions, sorry, one player from all those positions you just mentioned that is a bigger impact getting them off the field than getting Neiman off the field with this Bolton trade. Oh, well, okay. That is what we're doing. <laughs> Charvarius Ward is probably Charvarius Ward is not a bigger liability than Ben Neiman. Okay, wait, wait, wait. here here is my argument against your Ben Neiman point. Ben Neiman doesn't play exactly in the same position, doesn't he? Kind of play a hybrid safety role that I don't think Nick Bolton's going to play. He's more of this like explosive guy in blitz packages and for run defense. But I feel like Neiman's not that. Am I right on that or what? Well, Neiman's not going to have a position if he's a hybrid safety linebacker. Because if we put a linebacker linebacker on the field, we got no need for this, you know, kind of am I a coverage guy? Should I hit Teddy Bridgewater kind of guy? No. And we got enough safeties. We got enough secondary guys. We don't have to have none of this hybrid nonsense. Well, that's what we have. Stop it. That's what Steve Spagnuolo. Look, if I was Steve Spagnuolo, I would, of course, say goodbye, Ben Neiman probably goodbye dirty dan i know that's not a popular opinion for Kansas city fans but it's true we have to get rid of those guys and really move forward um and armani watts is not the answer there but but anyway okay yes he is a great player again Kansas city fans and and referees i don't want you to think that i think nick bolton is bad he's he's a great player really great i just thought that there was more talent on the board that that could have been plugged in right away i know nick bolton will eventually be a starter and probably a starter this year I just it's just a very um, crowded linebacking core right now especially with Anthony Hitchens kind of doing the same stuff that's why I give it a B minus I didn't give it a D I didn't give it an F it's it's still you know just like we talked about with the beer stuff like a 7.0 remember this is the 7.0 right here I got a blazing take and then I'll leave it at this okay by the end of this year by the end of this year 
Bolton and Gay will be constructing their own Legion of Boom, and they'll have some sort of kitschy nickname to go with it because those two will be so impactful, so physical, and so fierce. Well, we we will have the receipts here, and I I hope so. And yes, I I am excited for this Legion of Boom with them, and also add you know Juan Thornhill in there, just like and and Legarius Sneed having all those guys that are very explosive players. They tackle hard, they play hard. Yes. Like that makes me really excited. You're right, Reese. I'm just saying there's other people on the board that we could have used. Now, if Kansas City gets DD Westbrook, if we're able to sign DD, then I will drop all of this. I'll drop everything I'm saying about Terrence Marshall. I don't care about Terrence Marshall. If we get DD Westbrook, then fine. This was a great pick. <laughs> all right. Moving on. That was great. That was a lot of fun. Second round pick as well. Uh The 63rd pick of the NFL draft, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, who is a place center. Uh, He is 6'5", 312 pounds, was the Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year in 2019 and 2020. Reese, what is your draft grade for Creed Humphrey? I give a big ol' A for Creed Humphrey. Here's some fun facts about the guy. He didn't allow a single sack in 37 college starts. Not one single sack. The fun thing about him was when Oklahoma won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line, a lot of people said Creed was the best lineman on that best offensive line. And there's some things to back it up here. First off, the guy has just like absolutely bonkers fundamentals. Great footwork, great hip work for outside zone plays. And why is that? It's because the dude is a former wrestler, and wrestler means he knows how to use leverage. And not just that, but he's a wrestler from the great state of Oklahoma. You may as well draft a craft brewer from Colorado or Oregon in that case, because he's going to be that impactful on his wrestling fundamentals. The only other state that Iowa recognizes as like a wrestling hotbed is Oklahoma. So he's got that going for him. Secondly, he's a high-motor guy, and he doesn't quit on plays. He's good at getting movement and moving on down the field, which is something that Andy Reid really likes in his offensive linemen. He's also been shown to be capable at helping his teammates when they can't secure their blocks. Now, some things that aren't so hot on him right now, I will admit... He's got kind of short arms for a center. Like, even I was taken back. He's got like 32 and a quarter on his wingspan. That's a little bit on the narrow size. And the other thing I'm a little confused on here is that you said he was 6'6", 322, right? I had a 6'5", 312. I, I, well, that's exactly making my point here. I've seen him listed at multiple different sizes and weights. I've seen him as low as 6'4", 305, huh. which, I mean, I can't believe he's that light. But I've also seen him listed at 6'5", 315, and 6'6", 325. So, you know, will the real Slim Shady please stand (laughs) up here? But even if that's the case, he's going to be bigger, longer, and stronger than other centers we've had recently, including Austin Ryder, who was listed at 6'3", 300. No way. Long story on that. But even Austin Blythe, the guy we brought in this year, is 6'3", 298. Now, what I'm getting at with all of this is that I have heard, despite his great fundamentals, he might be a little small in terms of like having weight and, as I've seen it described, being an anchor. So he might get bullied a little bit more by some of the bigger defensive linemen in the league, which he can make up for with his fundamentals. But I don't know. Keep I don't know. Keep throwing some some food down his throat. Keep chugging those protein shakes. Make yourself a wall. And with those fundamentals, ain't nobody getting to Patrick Mahomes. 
Amen. Actually, a quick story before I do the draft grades. I already told you this, but um, uh, Joe Thomas just put out an article somewhere. I forgot. Uh, But obviously, Joe Joe Thomas was like a 20-year veteran, Cleveland Browns center. And in order for him to keep weight at whatever it was, 310, 315, he had to eat a loaf of bread worth of PB&Js in between his meals. He had his meals, but then had to have a, he bought a loaf of bread every single day. And in the morning he would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches of that entire thing and would snack on it the entire day because he needed to keep weight because they're always weightlifting. They're at practice. So they're burning a ton of calories, obviously. Um, Yeah. those offensive linemen do not get enough credit as to like what they have to do to keep the weight on and train at the same time. It's amazing. Would have been easier if you would have only had to go through half a loaf of Dave's killer bread because that stuff is packed with vitamins, nutrients, <laughs> protein, 110 calories per slice. Dave's killer bread. Ha ha. Sponsor us. <laughs> Please. Or or Costco. Or you get it. Either of them is fine. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. Creed Humphreys. I do agree with you. I'm putting an A plus on on Creed Humphreys just because he is going to be a day one starter. We got a day one starter at pick 63. Really? A day oh, one starter on a Super Bowl team? A day one starter on a team where we just revamped the entire offensive line? It was an incredible pick by Brett Veach and Andy Reid. And in fact, another quick tidbit, Orlando Brown former teammate of Creed Humphreys and Orlando Brown texted Brett Veach on that day and said, hey, you you have to look at Creed Humphrey. I, I'm telling you, this this guy is next level. And Brett Veach was like, yep, we've already been looking at him. Don't worry. So Brett Veach was high on him. The offensive line is high on him. Orlando Brand, obviously, high on him. Uh, he is great. He has the ability to mirror rushers, which is really good. He keeps defenders inside the frame. Like you said, he's pretty big. Weight-wise, maybe not with arm length, but you're right. With fundamentals, it should help. And another big thing that we didn't talk about is is the guards right next to him is going to be Joe Tooney and possibly Kyle Long or Duvernay Tardif, which are really great veterans to have in between someone that may be a little bit smaller for those defensive tackles. So if you have those massive dudes, experienced dudes, Pro bowlers, at least in Joe Tooney, I think he's going to be okay, and he's going to learn rather quickly with all those people around him. Uh, one negative that uh, you you didn't speak of that, that that I kind of thought of as well um, was that he's also not great at calling protections, is what I've been seeing on film. Yeah. Um, so that's something that needs to be addressed. But again, that's experience, and that's something. Again, Joe Tooney, Kyle Long, having him right next to him those things are going to be taken care of. So a lot of his weaknesses, I'm not necessarily worried about because of the experience and, of course, Andy Heck and Andy Reid. One comp that I saw him at um, to kind of bookend one of the uh, comparisons that we were looking for, I predicted in the beginning of our predictions when we talked about trades and stuff, I wanted Corey Lindsley. Well, guess who looks like Corey Lindsley? Creed Humphrey. (laughs) So... uh, uh, I mean, really, the way that Corey Lindsley moves, the way that he mirrors the rusher, the way that he keeps defenders in the frame, just like I was talking about, 
It's a lot like Creed Humphrey. So I'm super excited. Even if he doesn't become this star, it doesn't matter. We we don't necessarily need this like huge pro bowler at center because we have such great talent at guard, at tackle. I mean, dude, having Creed, Tooney, Orlando Brown, this could be a, like a decade of the same dudes. Lucas Niang. Oh, boy. Oh. Kansas City, get ready. A-plus grade for me, Creed Humphreys. We love him. Okay. Skipping ahead. Fourth round pick, because we didn't have a third round pick. Uh, fourth round pick, the 144th pick. This one's a fun one. Joshua Kinda, defensive end. I've got him listed at 6'6", 260. 6'6", 260. There you go. <laughs> All right, Reese, what do you think? Fourth round pick, 144th pick of the draft. Joshua Kinda. Well, so I've seen a lot of people making ignorant takes saying, this is another K-Pass take. We just got an athletic freak who's got no skill whatsoever. He'll never develop. Well, okay, you got one thing correct. <laughs> we did get an athletic freak. The dude is 6'6", 260, and he has room to add more muscle to that frame of his. He also runs a 46840, which is pretty insane for a defensive yeah, end. pretty wild. I like the physical tangibles. He's also got some good things going for him. He's good at penetrating the pocket from behind. You know, if he gets pushed to the outside, he'll come back in and get you from behind, blindside. A lot of fumbles happen on things like that. Now, here's the one thing I will say is going to be kind of similar to K-Pass that gets me a little bit worried. Uh, the dude has no moves whatsoever. No moves. Not even the Frank Clark spin move. He's got nothing. He's pure athletic ability. I've seen a lot of reports and I've seen a lot of film that he tends to get locked up by the guys guarding him. He can't escape when the defender really gets like digging into his frame. And that's it's pretty true on paper. This guy is a pure rusher. He rushes. That's about all he does. So do I think you can teach some of these things to him? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to cast him out right now. I think, though, he looks like he's likely going to be a three-wave rotational player with Taco, Mike Dana, and then you might have him coming in on situational plays or third downs to play opposite Frank Clark. I don't think this is a replacement, a defensive end that we're looking for. I think it seems like a little bit of a developmental pick for the fourth round, which I'm not thrilled at. There's still talent in those third and fourth rounds. So because of that, I'm going to give this a B-. minus. I actually really like this pick, Reese. I'm going to give this an A-, minus, just because Ooh. 144th pick, this guy has a ton of upside. So he was the number one edge rushing recruit coming out of high school. Um, but because of what happened in college, his draft stock obviously went a lot down, but the body type is still there. The size is still there. He was actually recruited by Alabama. He was recruited by Georgia. So, I mean, he's definitely no scrub and I don't think he got a lot of help in college either. Right. I think with a system like Kansas city system, you know, him really growing into his size and learning those fundamentals with Kansas city, he has a little bit of a project, but again, the upside is high because his body type is elite. He is not like K pass. K pass did not have an elite body type. He was big, but that body type was not elite Kin kindo or kendo however you want to say his name he actually does have an elite body type now the way that he tackled he needs to improve because he was tackling really high on some of the film that i was looking at so like 
someone that is, uh, for example, uh, Leonard Fournette can easily kind of bulldoze him if he doesn't really square his body up. So he, this is going to be a very intriguing project because the ceiling, he can take Mike Mike Dana's spot. He can take Taco Charlton's spot. And then, of course, I don't think we're going to have Jaron Reed for a long time. We'll see what happens with Frank Clark. We can do another podcast about Frank Clark. But if he does come into his own if he goes back into that number one recruit edge rusher the sky's the limit and he can be paired up with chris jones hot take mondo but i don't know if we're gonna see it this year i think we might see it in 2022 i think that's when the return is gonna come that is my prediction we'll see what happens so i'm gonna give it an a minus because it's the fourth round pick that's fine considering frank clark won't be on this team in 2022 we better have a replacement edge rusher by then i love frank clark we're gonna argue about frank clark all all year favorite time of the podcast and i am talking about this week in craft beer and this week in craft beer is super appropriate because our story for this week in craft beer is that it is craft beer appreciation week which you know take it as you want i think a lot of different breweries are doing specials on things a lot of different breweries are doing kind of buy one get ones I don't know specifics. It's just appreciate craft beer week. It's super cool. It kind of sounds like take your kid to work day, but for craft beer. So that's our story for what's going on this week in craft beer. Good night, everybody. <laughs> See you later. Let's go. No, in reality, you know, go, go, go support your favorite local craft beer establishment. I'm going to be hitting up a couple breweries this week, getting some six packs. All right. Trying to get some pints. And uh, yeah, just remember that, you know, we... At one point, only had about 40 breweries left in the country post-prohibition, and now we got almost 9,000. So we're going full Dragon Ball Z on craft beer. Congratulations. (laughs) But to kick off our special This Week in Craft Beer, Craft Beer American Appreciation Week version 2.0 is Armando, who is going to have a special beer review for us tonight. Armando, what beer will you be enlightening our guests with? It's actually quite special, and Reese doesn't even know what I'm going to review today, but I was going to go to the liquor store yesterday, and I was like, you know, I don't need to go to the liquor store because I have a fantastic beer right here from what is it? Sir Talbot. Oh, wh- wait, what? Huh, what? Today, I am going to be re- reviewing the double bourbon barrel aged imperial style with chocolate vanilla and coffee from boulevard brewing oh the one we did prairie oh my gosh i forgot i sent that to you i think it's fun if like i do it because you work for boulevard and of course it's different you know i'm just a random bystander so i think it'll be fun Yes, prepare and, to have your taste buds just melted. <laughs> and I'm also doing it because I said I I don't do stouts and like oh man I just do IPAs and I never do sours and stouts and I'm like you know what I'm gonna have a stout. I'm not gonna you know even though I'm lactose intolerant I can have eight ounces of this bad boy right now and I'm gonna be perfectly fine. And if I'm not, then I'll cut it out of the podcast and you guys will never know. Noelle has joked and said there are foods that she would consider eating even though it would like destroy her stomach for a week. I mean, if you have to choose one beer that's going to mess you up for a couple days, this is the beer. Oh, sorry, a little backstory on this bad boy. This is a collaboration we did with Prairie Artisan Ales, which is out of Oklahoma. I 
I think they bill themselves as Tulsa, but I think hardcore fans will tell you it's not actually Tulsa. But long story short, the base of it is basically Prairie Bomb, which is an incredible imperial stout to begin with and then we threw messenger coffee and some other delicious things into this creating this 15 percent chocolate coffee goodness so i'm excited for you to try this dude you're gonna be great when you do the tours and stuff at boulevard that oh, like thank you. that like already just got me like revved up dude oh yeah i'm a rev you're right man yeah so the coffee from messenger looks like the messenger got it from guatemala the vanilla is from madagascar and the chocolate is from ghana so oh my goodness we have a proud history of proud history of imperial stouts with messenger coffee all right crack that bad boy open and tell us the first thing which is aroma Ooh, it already smells boozy man i just just poured it oh my goodness look at this oh yeah make sure you get some head on that man not too much but just enough that it's representing there we go perfect okay good all right all right aroma yeah i mean it smells super boozy like just straight booze even when i crack that that glass open so 15 percent, you can definitely smell that you smell Actually, from that, you smell the vanilla, and I think that's a combination of that bourbon. Because bourbon, to me, sometimes smells like vanilla, so I definitely mm-hmm. get that more than I smell coffee or chocolate, which is really nice. Do you know what barrels you guys used? Or uh, it's okay if you don't. Specifically on this one, I believe it was Buffalo Trace barrels. Yeah, I mean, it, it smells very boozy, in particular bourbon and vanilla. Um Okay, on on third sniff, I am getting a lot of that chocolate, that dark chocolate, that that Ghana chocolate. I'm definitely smelling chocolate, a lot of dark chocolate, um, and it smells really good. I'm not getting any coffee though, um, but yeah, that could just be my post-COVID taste buds, or um, sorry, smell buds. <laughs> smell buds sounds like the lamest Air Bud sequel. I've only had one beer too, and I I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> But yeah, it smells really good. I love it. How about a how about a nine point two? Oh baby, nine two is what you do. Number two on that list then is what is the appearance of that beer in your glass? All right. So when I poured it, I mean that thing poured like oil. Like that was just like so thick, so incredible. The viscosity on it is intense. There is there is no seeing through this guy. It's just it's just straight black. And I don't remember when you sent it, but you could have sent it a little, a little while ago, and the head retention is very good on it still. I mean, just like if it That's was good. new. So definitely a very well taken care of beer. I'm sure the brewing process was amazing on this. I don't know how long you guys aged it, but I'm sure it was aged very well. Just just from the smell and the look. I mean, this looks like an excellent beer. 9.6 on appearance. Oh my gosh, he's coming out shooting nines this review. I love it. Oh yeah. Okay, then number three, the flavor. Go. What is this forbidden lactose fruit tasting like <laughs> to you? Oh wow! Holy moly, that's that's incredible. No, no lie. Not just because like it's- I know you, Boulevard know you, but that is really good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> isn't it? Hmm. So really, what I like about it the most is not this category. It's actually the mouthfeel, which you wouldn't get 
you know, most of the time, but that, that is an incredible mouthfeel. Um, I'm getting a lot of that that vanilla bourbon that I smelled. I'm getting a lot of that sweetness, sweetness, which I really like because you also get the dark chocolate that's not very sweet. If you've had dark chocolate, obviously milk chocolate is more sweet than, than dark chocolate. So having the mix of the very sweet vanilla and the spiciness of the bourbon mixed in with the subtleness and the roundness of that dark chocolate, that is really good. Oh my goodness. Um, maybe I'm just not smelling. Maybe I'm just not getting coffee today. I don't know. Or maybe I associate coffee with chocolate and, you know, if it's a good type of bean, sometimes I get vanilla. So maybe I, maybe it's in there, but maybe I'm just associating the two. I don't know. I'm not getting it. The, the coffee really doesn't come through as much as a lot of other flavors because there are a lot of different flavors going on in there that are pretty prevalent. Yeah, and, and that's actually very unique about this beer because I've had a ton of barrel-aged stouts working at Weldworks, but we usually would feature one, you know, uh, one ingredient because it's really hard to get a blend of ingredients Um on uh, Imperial Stout, but this one you do get prominent flavors from the chocolate, from the bourbon, from the vanilla. Like you can, they are very distinct, which is very curious and very unique. You ready for this one, Reese? Yes. Ten point one. <laughs> what? Ten point one on flavor, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I don't think I've ever had a stout that I can distinctly pick out three flavors that are all tens, right? Sometimes you'll get a flavor that you might not like. I love the chocolate. I love the bourbon. I love the vanilla. And I think the coffee's coming a little bit with the chocolate too, but those are all incredible. 10.1, this is one of the best stouts I've ever had for sure. He's breaking the scale. This is like when Dave Meltzer gave a wrestling match over five stars, which is a real <laughs> fact, man. Real fact. I oh. I don't know that reference, but hell yeah, dude. The ceiling has been broken. It's been shattered into a million delicious pieces. And, well, then, and for all of our non-Boulevard people out there that are like, oh, you know, they're 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 just homers over there. On Untap, this has a four point five four rating. Which, for those of you that know Untap, there are rarely any four point fives. Like, you you all know that beer goers are very specific and very judgmental. So a four point five is rare oh, as yeah. it is, and if it's higher than that, and it's yeah. It's incredible, and people think so as people well. Are, people are fickle on Untapped. They're like, yeah, Bourbon Bill Quad's like maybe a 3.6. But seriously, I think Bourbon Quad's only like a 3.7 on Untapped. It's crazy. People suck. I'm just kidding. People don't suck. I love people. Anyway, so you were alluding earlier to the mouthfeel of that beer being something uh, exciting and special to you. Why don't you elaborate a little bit more to us what you were getting on the mouthfeel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So mouthfeel... Again, I just gave us a 10.1, so uh I got to really go up on this one. I was reading up on it, by the way, Reese, so you're right. It's aged for a year in Buffalo Trace, but then it's aged for an additional three months in Heaven Hill bourbon barrels after that. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. So that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Okay, so um, so mouthfeel is my favorite because you get this you get this beautiful mix of like light but it's heavy again the, the i don't want 
this to come off as bad because it's not. I know some people use the term oily or like motor oil in a bad way, and I don't want to mm-hmm. put it in a bad way. I actually like that taste of it being very like not syrupy because some stouts when they're syrupy they're too sweet they're not round they don't have any body but this is like just before syrupy and just a little bit more of this oily texture that has the roundness of of the coffee the vanilla everything that we've been highlighting and it's just so full body, but in a good way. Like, of course, Imperial Stouts are going to be full body, ladies and gentlemen. But to have all these distinct flavors in the full bodiness um, is is really incredible. And I really enjoy it. Because sometimes, especially with a 15 percenter, you can feel that 15 percent on 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 the mouthfeel. And it's like, oh, it's too much. Oh, this is too, too boozy. I smell it to be boozy. But on the mouthfeel, it's really it's very enjoyable. It's very smooth. Um, so, <laughs> hey, if this is my favorite, I gave flavor 10.1. This is a 10.2, Reese. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Hot take, the, hot take what Mondo do we do today. now? Creed Humphreys gets a 10.2. Mouthfeel gets a 10.2. <laughs> Dude, I I got some bottles of this. We gotta have Creed Humphreys try a bottle so that we can just have Dude. the ultimate beer lineman creation. Okay, dream oh. d- dream scenario. What if we like meet Creed Humphreys and we like get him on the podcast? He's like we we are like the first people to interview Creed Humphrey, and then he becomes the next uh, <laughs> Joe Thomas, and then we have him on like every single year, and we just like have bourbon barrel stouts with him and for like the next 25 years that'd be amazing oh, that'd be incredible quit quit talking about my dream and and make it a reality <laughs> okay so then number five on there aftertaste i'm curious to get your opinion on what you're gonna get having that beer come back up after having all those different flavors distinctly on the way down yeah aftertaste i get a lot more of the bourbon so i did mention on the mouthfeel i didn't get a lot of the alcohol right didn't get that 15 percent. it actually felt pretty good on the aftertaste then then you start to feel those those bourbon barrels then you start to get a lot of the notes from that that you didn't get on the taste which is really cool i really enjoy that let me do one more just to see if i get anything else yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot it's a lot spicier. It's a lot more bitey on the aftertaste as opposed to all the sweet that kind of dissipates then from that first initial one. You get a lot more of that booziness on the on the back end, which I I, I do enjoy. That's nice. How about a, a nine point one for aftertaste? Oh. Coming in at a paltry nine point one on aftertaste. <laughs> Pack it up, boys. Well then last but not least bdq on this one because this is going to be really interesting for me everybody knows what the big stonks drinkability quotient's all about but you're throwing out tens here like it's tootsie pops at a thanksgiving day parade so (laughs) give us a bdq for this beer please you know again this beer is extremely unique because Actually, for all of our Kansas City fans there, if you're able to get your hands on this, grab one of these and then grab uh, Imperial Stout from somewhere. You know, Goose Island. Why don't you see if you can find some Goose Island? Although those are pretty rare, but but try to compare it and 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 I want you to see how how unique this beer is with a lot of different flavors, the great body that it has, 
yeah, it's just it's just an amazing beer that has a lot going for it. Like this is a perfect, you know, the fire's cracking. You got the Kansas City Chiefs on week 16 against the Green Bay Packers and they have Jimmy Garoppolo there and you're just cracking oh, yeah. it open. I mean, this is this is a beautiful beer to have in the winter, but again, I'm appreciating right now in the summer. Although I think it's going to snow tomorrow here, which would be really nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I love it. It's great. It's unique. There's not a lot of stouts that I've had like this. Uh, flavor is actually the craziest stout that I've had. A nine point seven for BDQ. Oh. It's quite quite the badass beer. Well, then I can't leave this conversation without asking. This is something we can divulge uh, or discuss in further detail later on. But does this beer qualify for consideration for Mount Crushmore? Or do we keep Mount Crushmore exclusive to beers that are only full-time releases? Because that's that's a different ballgame. When you got a beer you got to release year-round versus this, which was like a one-time, you know, you can throw everything in the kitchen sink at it limited drop. Because we're never seeing this again. Okay, well, oh really? You guys aren't, this is it? This this was a brew house one. We brew a super limited portion of this beer. We only keg it in the beer hall, and we only sell it out of the gift shop. Wow. Um, Ooh, oh man. Well, I'm assuming that you would give it the same ratings, if not higher than what I gave it, right? It's pretty great. Then I think we should put on Mount Crushmore because both of us have had it, both of us enjoy it, both of us think that it's some of the best, you know, bourbon stouts, imperial aged stouts that we've had. Ladies and gentlemen, the bourbon barrel aged imperial stout with chocolate, vanilla, and coffee is on the Found City Sports Media. Mount Crushmore! Let it be so, Mount Crushmore. I don't think we've put any beers on Mount Crushmore yet, have we? He- wasn't Hetty Topper on Mount Crushmore? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So Hetty yeah. Topper and Bourbon Barrel Age Imperial Stout with Chocolate, Vanilla, and Coffee from Boulevard Brewing. Those are two on Mount Crushmore. We have to also find a logo for that, too. We can make we can make cr- Mount Crushmore sh- t-shirts. Oh, my gosh. Yes. When, when we're, like, you- super famous and, like, it becomes this cult following of, like, Mount Crushmore. Oh, my I- God. I think that maybe best friends of the podcast on Patreon need to get a Mount Crushmore t-shirt. Absolutely. And then I'm thinking even bigger, we do a Mount Crushmore beer festival where we invite all the breweries that we have on Mount Crushmore and then we just have like a beer festival with just those breweries. Absolutely. It's an exclusive sexy party in my 750 square foot apartment. Come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. So you record from this closet? Absolutely. (laughs) Can I have my money back? (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back talking about our draft grades. I've had a few sips of this uh, double bourbon barrel stout. Reese, I'm feeling it, man. I'm already feeling it. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Mount Crushmore is here. Mount Crushmore is here in Colorado Springs. All right, here we go. So hopefully I am um, coherent for the rest of this podcast. So, Reese, for the next pick, we have fifth round pick. Pick 162, Noah Gray, tight end from Duke. He's 6'4", 240 pounds. What is your draft grade, Reese? So this is a very, very... 
what what did they call it in high school and college when the highest test score was it a weighted grade or like a tipped scale or something? Oh, um, curve. A curve. Right. So grading this pick yeah. on a curve, I give it an A minus. Now that's not because I think Noah Gray's going to come on the scene and we're going to have like two Travis Kelseys running the field. But for the longest time, and I've been saying this for at least three years now, the depth behind tight end is awful. It is repug. And obviously, there's no replacing Travis Kelsey. You know, he, he's a, a generational talent, best tight end in the last 15 years since Tony Fair. Gonzalez. But I, I digress. Let me get, get let me get some more into this really quick. Things I like about Noah Gray. He's got great hands. He's got great route running. He plays like a baby Kelsey in regards to his routes and getting separation. He's a former high school QB, which helps give him a high passing game IQ. It's what I like. Obviously, he's a little undersized for an NFL tight end. I've seen him clocked in at about 6'3", 240. He's below average at blocking. Okay, that's fine. I get it. He's also not a huge yards after catch guy. He averaged about nine yards per carry in his collegiate career, and he doesn't have like that step back move for an extra five, seven yards Kelsey seems to have. It's totally fine. What I'm getting at is that we finally have, at the very least, a backup Kelsey light on the team. Bell, Yelder, and Kaiser were never plug-and-play replacements for a pass-catching Kelsey, which is a critical part for our offense. We've seen what happens when Kelsey goes down. That Titans playoff game, the wild card was Smith. We were rolling until Kelsey went down. Yikes. We had yep. no replacement to put him in there. We fell apart. Same goes, too, when he gets dinged up and he has to sit out for a series or two. Critical third downs. We're praying that Kaiser and his lead hands don't drop the ball. Bell, Yelder, Kaiser, all great blocking bodies, but we've never had a great pass-catching tight end backup, and that is what Noah Gray brings, which is why I'm giving him that curved A-. Yeah, you essentially said everything that I was going to say, so excellent. I give him an A- as well. Just like you said, he does not drop balls. Do you remember when Kaiser came in? I forgot what game he came in this year, and he, he must have dropped at least three or four balls, and we were like get him out of here i don't even know why he was set up because travis kelsey was playing that game i think i don't know why kaiser was in and why he was getting so many passes toward him but again it is perfect that we have we officially have a solid tight end two and that's and that's what we wanted that is a position of need because that tight end two does a lot of different things like pass protect um i've even heard that noah gray can be somewhat of a fullback even though we just signed a pretty legit fullback but now that we don't have anthony sherman having someone in there to do the gadget like wheel wheel route plays noah gray can actually fill that spot and fill it really well um again plays really well in pass and pass protection he can seal off defenders even though he's smaller he's still explosive and he, he runs quite well he's very agile he's very shifty uh and he doesn't drop the ball uh, reese how many times have you and i complained on this podcast about people dropping the ball oh oh my goodness on the kansas city chiefs it's, it's incredible and with those gloves they have these days that are basically like goalie glove size and have that incredible sticky surface on them it's like if a ball hits you in the hands you should bring that in unless you get like crushed by the ghost of cam <laughs> chancellor it's it, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So excellent. So Noah Gray, he, uh, tight end two, I believe, was a position of need. And we've talked about that before on the podcast, how we need this position. And I think Brett Veach filled it extremely well. Having Noah Noah Gray drop to the fifth round was great for us. A minus. I agree with you. Excellent. Let's move on to the next pick, Reese. We had fifth round pick. 
181st pick of the draft, Cornell Powell, wide receiver from Clemson. Uh, pretty similar situation to McCole Harmon, except in the fifth round. Someone that isn't the best receiver on their team, but something that Brett Veach sees in them that he really likes. So what do you think about Cornell Powell, and what is your grade for him in the fifth well, round? Well, this is a completely different situation in regards to McCole Hardman, because I know he wasn't technically the best wide receiver on his team, but that's because he was playing at Clemson in a loaded wide receiver room for his five-year career there. I'll say it one last time. There is no reality where the Kansas City Chiefs were drafting DK Metcalf that year. They were not looking for a second-round wide receiver and said, we think McCall Hardman's the best guy. For the last time, we needed a gadget speed guy to step in for Tyreek Hill because we didn't think he would be on the team. We weren't yeah. looking. And for those of you that don't know, just Google Tyreek Hill during that time. Yeah, so I, I'm putting that to rest. Everybody's saying, could have had DK, could have had DK. Guess what? Every other team in the league could have had Patrick Mahomes, too. Every other team in the league could have drafted Aaron Rodgers higher in the first round. It goes on forever. So shut up, nerds. Now, this isn't about that. This is about, <laughs> or Tom Brady. This is about Cornell Powell. Now, some things about Cornell Powell. He's got good hands. He's very solid on his fundamentals overall. I'm talking route running, separation, ball tracking, high pointing, all things you want in a wide receiver. He's a high character, high working individual who fought and made the most of a fifth year at Clemson, getting almost 900 yards receiving in what again was a very loaded wide receiver room. Now, what worries me a little bit, he's got average to slightly below average speed and athleticism. He he kind of leads to below average separation when all things are considered. I've seen his routes described as lazy. I, w- I think lazy is a harsh term. I just think he's not as crisp and he's not as fast as some other top tier receivers you've seen in this draft and before. And last but not least, he did run a fairly basic route tree at Clemson, and Andy Reid runs a very complex offense that's difficult for first-year receivers to pick up. I think he's going to be a great addition to special teams at the very least. I would like to see him returning punts and kickoffs. I think he has the potential to be an ex-receiver solution after losing Watkins. He could be an immediate stand-in for Demarcus Robinson or Pringle. I think this is a good get. Time will tell just how much value was on this late-round pick. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm going to give an, a B-plus on Cornell Powell because I like him because he can potentially be a wide receiver three on day one, which is is could be kind of scary. I mean, look, we have a very good receiving core, even though we don't have a solid wide receiver two. We still have incredible wide receiver threes in maybe McCall Hardman and then Robinson and Pringle, who we both love. Well, maybe not Robinson, but we love Byron oh, I love Pringle. Pringles. Um, so, so it's a very competitive wide receiver position. And for Cornell Powell to go in there and have some spurts, look, he played great when he was playing. I mean, if you remember what people are saying was the game of the year Clemson versus Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence um, had COVID or was in COVID protocol Cornell Powell was the person of that game I mean he had 157 yards receiving during that game and also if you want to fast forward to the college football playoff against Ohio State he had two touchdowns and 139 yards so when the game matters most Cornell Powell 
stepped up. Again, he is a fifth-year senior. He has experience. He is not afraid of the moment. His quarterback was Trevor freaking Lawrence, so he has some incredible experience there. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes is just going to extend that legacy of good quarterbacks for Cornell Powell. That's something that we didn't see with McCole Hardman. We haven't seen McCole Hardman step up in big moments, and we didn't really see that in Georgia either. But we were seeing that in Cornell Powell, and that's really interesting, which shows me that his ceiling could be higher. I'm just hot take Mondo. I'm just throwing it out there. Cornell Powell's ceiling could be higher than McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman, incredibly talented, incredibly fast, incredibly agile, but we need a baller. We need someone in game time, someone who has had these pressure situations and has over excelled in the position that they've been put in. So Cornell Powell could be a really, really good steal at at the fifth round. But right now we'll have to see. That's why I'm going to give it that B plus. I give it a B plus, right? You did. I think I forgot to grade. I, think I did. I, I'm going to give him a B, a B with a very high ceiling. Fair, fair. I, I don't remember because this Imperial Stout, man, woo! <laughs> Leaving no doubt the Imperial Woo-wee. Stout. Armando's going to spit <laughs> what it's all about. <laughs> Reese, you should really get into rapping, man. That was incredible. Thank you. Uh, that was even better than, than, than Will Smith in the 90s. Dude, I try in this wild, wild AFC West. <laughs> I have a joke, but for outside the podcast. All right. Three, two, one. And then last but not least, before I just like fall asleep on this keyboard, we have at the six round pick, 226 pick of the draft, Trey Smith, guard, 6'3", 330 pounds. Quite the controversial pick, maybe not at the sixth round, but but a lot of buzz on this guy. But Reese, I'll let you tip it off. What is your draft grade on Trey Smith? This is an A. This is absolutely being handed one of those scratch-off lottery tickets in your stocking on Christmas. It's like, gee whiz, I could win 10000 bucks from this, and I didn't even have to pay a dollar for it. Here's why. The dude, as you mentioned, is 6'5", 330. He's got some long arms. At guard, sign me up yesterday. The dude also has experience and potential depth for our tackle position as well. Particularly that right tackle where we're going to say, is it going to be Niang stepping up and starting? Remmers, good, not great. Good, we finally have tackle depth. The dude is also an athletic monster. He, he Let me tell you some things, uh, some stats I found on this guy. He had 32 reps on the bench press. 31 inch vertical, a 9 foot 4 inch broad jump, a 1.75 10 yard split, and a 7.43 3 cone time. All of those being at the 90th percentile or above in terms of combine participants. This guy is crazy athletic, crazy talented. Now, he's kind of also the opposite of Creed Humphreys a little bit here, where Creed was maybe like a little bit less of a pure athletic specimen with great fundamentals. I'm seeing a lot of talk that Trey Smith does need some fundamentals and technique coached into him. His footwork is fairly raw. He's also got blood clot issues, which everybody knows about. That's the only reason why he fell this late in the draft. But make no mistake, this is a first-round draft talent that fell this low simply because of these blood clot issues that have been proven that aren't a big issue to him anymore. It's under control. He's on meds. It hasn't been an issue for a long time. This is a Tyreek Hill 
level steal. And remember, we drafted Tyreek Hill, wasn't it the fifth round? Right. Different reasons, yep. obviously, why they fell. But this could be a Tyreek level steal this late in the draft. Absolutely. Reese, I'm going to go even further on that. Trey Smith is an A++++. He will be the steal of the decade. I might of like the that take. Decade. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I will add to all the great things that Reese had said. Trey Smith was the number one college recruit coming out of high school in 2017. Not not just at the guard position, the number one overall college recruit in coming out of high school. Okay, okay. And the only thing that has changed, yes, Reese talked about some fundamental issues, but the only thing is the blood clots. He still has the talent. He still has the strength. He still has the body type. Um, and of course, blood clots are serious. We do not want to downplay it. Of course, no one was downplaying it because he was taken in the sixth round. For sure. Right? The Chiefs didn't take him in the you know the second round but um actually i think a couple days ago the uh the uh, chief's medical examiner was able to really examine him and said he is good to go he said he is ready to go and the chiefs are are known to be pretty careful i believe in on on the medical side they don't sugarcoat or they don't try to hide stuff but they just straight up said yep he he actually looks good. So what does that mean, Kansas City fans? I've seen some insiders say that he is going to be the day one starter. <laughs> some I, people are saying he is the day one starter at guard. I kind of want him as the day one <laughs> starter at guard, man. If we have Kyle Long as our second string and LDT coming yeah. in at third string, that is some depth at right yep. guard. It's crazy. Ladies and Okay, if this if this pans out, again, this is a little closer than a dream scenario, a little more reality than a dream scenario, but but I mean listen to this. You got Orlando Brown, you got Joe Tooney, Creed Humphreys, Trey Smith, Lucas Niang, all these guys like not even close to age thirty. This is some Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is just like a monster <laughs> offensive line. And the depth. The depth. Yeah. Again. Oh, yeah. So, so Kansas City fans, I know this isn't like a 2021 preview. But again, all the people that we saw in the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl were okay. They were okay. Okay. During the Super Bowl, yes, not great. But they got us to a Super Bowl. Those first teamers are now on our second team. They're still here. Austin Ryder is still here. Remmers is still here. All the Andrew Wiley is still here. All those guys that took us to the Super Bowl are now second and third stringers. This offensive line is unreal. And and not even if if look, if if Trey Smith, if something happens, God forbid. Okay, fine. This is still an incredible offensive line. If Kyle Long is might be our second stringer when Kyle Long retired when he was a pro bowler and took a year off like Gronk style and just chilled and like rested. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is going to be the steal of the draft. There is nothing that we've seen post draft that Trey Smith is going to be an issue. This is looking like Trey Smith. I don't think it's going to be a day one starter, but Trey Smith will eventually be a starter. Uh, God forbid all these injuries, but amazing, amazing. Matt, like I said, massive guy, functional strength. Yes, he's not quick, but you don't have to be quick at that position. Uh, this is great. I love it. I think it's the best pick of the draft. 
So overall, I actually didn't tell you, Reese, but I think overall grade for me on this draft, I think it's just a solid A. I actually think it's a solid A. I think we we were one of the best when it came to picking this year. What do you think? I'm going to give the draft an A minus. I th- I think we picked up a lot of people at positions of needs. As you mentioned, what we've done to change our offensive line's outlook is nothing short of incredible. I still think I would have liked to see the secondary short up a little bit, maybe spend that defensive end pick on getting a decent mid-round cornerback or safety, something like that. But by and large, there's a lot of potential in these draft picks, and that, for me, is what bumps this up to an A-minus draft. This could be the best draft of Brett Veach's career thus far. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think I think you're right. This was a very risky draft for Brett Veach. There's a lot of high risk, but again, or no, sorry, there is high reward but low risk on a lot of these guys because we took them late, and there's a lot of places that we don't really need. But there is a ton of high rewards on this draft as opposed to like the Armani Watts draft or anything like that. We we didn't see guys like Trey Smith, Nick Bolton. Creed Humphrey. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is a different type of draft. It could be the best draft. Absolutely. But we'll have to see. And we're going to have a lot more content for you about the Chiefs. Obviously, we're passionate about it. I'll have to cut a lot of this because we talked a lot today, but but deservedly so. We love this stuff. Any final thoughts, Reese, or anything you're doing this weekend? You said you're going to hit up some breweries. Any in, in particular? Um, I would definitely like to hit Cinder Block, which is right down the road from where I live. Uh, I have not been to the new Torn Label Beer Hall. They they expanded their place. What? They expanded out. They've got a full kitchen. Shout out to friend of the podcast, Joel, who is working in the kitchen there. Great guy. Great friend. No way. Yeah. Oh, let's get Joel on soon. Dude, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When you come through next month, we'll have to go to Torn Label and check out the new location. I, I will wait and go with you. So, well, well, have fun, homie. And this was fun as always. Had a great beer. Um, yeah, man. Great. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.